This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you love underground music and movies, go to portlanddistro.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another week of Everything Went Black. In this episode, I finally catch up with Jamie Getz. Jamie and I go way back, way, way back, and uh, we've been friends for a really long time. It's one of those things where I feel like I spoke to him two months ago, but it's actually been years, possibly a decade since we spoke. So yeah, it was really cool to catch up. Jamie and I used to be in the band Versoma, which some of you guys have asked about. We talk about that, we talk about Muay Thai, and we just talk about the last few years and finally becoming adults. So are, are you near any cities? Like, are you near Vancouver or like Victoria? Yeah, I'm, I'm like? in Vancouver. Um, yeah, okay. I'm in Vancouver. Yeah. Like Victoria is like a, Victoria is kind of fun. Like if you go there for like a weekend or something, yeah. it's like, you got to take a boat to get there and shit. I don't know if you guys played there, if Tombs has played there yeah. or not, Yeah, we have. but, um, yeah. So it's like, you know, the drill, like you take the ferry, just like you're cruising like to Denmark or something, or like one of the Scandinavian spots, but like, it's fucked. Cause I, you go over there and like there's never any true guarantee that you're coming back on the same ferry that you booked so it's like they always close it down for like choppy water and weather and whatnot it's only like an hour and a half but like for some reason that little portion gets super fucked so i've only gone over there a couple times but yeah i don't know i like it it's fun but that's even more secluded than here (laughs) so it's like you go there and you're like you're literally stuck on the island and like that's all there is too but I mean, I would go over there and did like all the dumb shit, like cruise like the Blasphemy Ross Bay Cemetery and like track down some of those tombstones. And of course, took the same uh, fucking stupid photos just to be a dumbass. But yeah, it's cool. I like it. You know, I used to live in Bellingham, Washington. I don't know if you knew that or not. I did. Like for some reason, I knew that. And I don't know why you lived there, but like <laughs> I would have to go to Bellingham like when I was moving up here to like that was the closest spot for me for like a government agency to like start doing my shit. So, like, I'd go there, and, like, I remember playing Bellingham with uh, uh, Lickle and Sky Hot Cross played there. And I remember being there, and I was like, fuck, man. I was like, I never thought I would be back in this goddamn town. But were you there for school? No, no. It was right after I got out of college, and um, my, I got a job right away. And there's a Texaco refinery up there, and they sent me there for, like, a year. <laughs> man, how did you like it? Dude, I got to be honest with you, man. In the early 90s, that place was kind of sick. I actually had a great time living there. Ah, that's might have been like a different thing. Like shit was yeah. probably popping off a little bit more then. Like now it's still like, it's like Sleepy Town, USA. I know people live there and like, it's fun. And like, it's like good to go to for like a weekend or like a day. If I was on tour and I rolled to there, I'd be like, it'd be like business as usual. I'd be like, yeah, this is cool, man. You know, it's fun, like little town, but Anything more than that, I'd fucking go wild, I think. When, when I first went out there, it was like the early 90s. And, and, you know, I was pissed because I was on just, I wasn't, all I knew was like New York and Boston. That's it. Right. I went to school in Boston. You know, I grew up in New York State and going into the city and maybe Philly here and there, Long Island. So I was very much like an East Coast person. And I was like, what the fuck is this, man? This fucking, <laughs> like, this is some fucking that's remote dude, Eskimo shit. Dude, that's what I'm shit. saying, man. Asphalt everything. Like, yeah. I, like, you know where I'm coming from with that one. But a- after a while, I was like, dude, there's like, there was like three venues in that, in that town. And they were getting like, like Tad was playing there and fucking Mud Honey and like all these shows were going on. And there was like mad like chicks with like you know cool like chicks that want to hang out and stuff and i was like <laughs> i'm like oh wow because like you know in new york like me me growing up i was used to like no one being friendly at all you know so i would go out 
I didn't know anybody. And it was like, you know, I'm like, oh, shit. There's like this place called the Up and Up. There's like this fucking other spot. You know, there's like shows happening. Reverend Horton Heat's playing. So I'd go. And like women would come up and talk to me because I was not <laughs> I was different. Like I, they didn't know that I, I was like, are you? Oh, you're new in town. Hi. You know, and it's like, wow, this is like I'm like, what, you know, what am I going to get jumped and someone's going to take my, my wallet or like. Right. Like that's the normal thinking for like guys of like you're a little bit older than me, but like yeah. for people of our age bracket. Like, I think that that was like the mentality. Like if I rolled up to a show like in a, a different city by myself. That was my first fucking thought. I was like, oh, no, man, like these dudes are coming over to me or like this girl's coming over to me. Is this like a setup? Am I going to get rolled? You know, my <laughs> pockets are going to get run. So when you go like even here now, man, like I think it's just like a West Coast vibe. Like it's a little bit more laid back. Like I have a hard fucking time with people being nice. Yeah. Me and too, I'm serious. Man. I'm like dead serious. It's like people like it took me a long time just to be able to like learn how to say like, thanks. Like if somebody says something nice or something positive, cause I always think someone's trying to like work an angle or work a scheme on me. So like it, even like right now, like with like the handful of people that I'm like friendly with here, it's like when they say something, I have to legitimately, instead of like a going into defense mode, I have to be like, nah, it's cool. Like, all right, thanks, man. I appreciate it. You know, that took a fucking lot of work for me to be able to like say that shit. Yeah, it's it's weird. So, yeah, it was, I mean, Bellingham was sick, man. But then like over the years, it just became more and more generic, I think. Because I've been back there a few times over the last, you know, couple of decades. And now it just looks like mad, like gentrified and like generic. But back then it was like a little bit more rustic and kind of you know, outsider-ish, you know, there used to be, like, a, a fucking colony of, like, homeless people that lived, you would actually be able to see it if you were going up uh, the I-5 into Canada, like, going north, you would look over yep. into the woods, and you'd see, like, this encampment of, like, homeless dudes, and I guess women, <laughs> too, and every now and then, they would migrate into Bellingham, and, like, but they were, like, these, like, Charlie Manson-style, like, like, you know, homeless people you know they would hang out <laughs> there would be like uh there was a, a coffee shop you know and look i was young i was like in my early 20s man so i was like that perfect age to be out and about in that world and uh you know there's a coffee place called tony's coffee that outdoor patio like these like charlie manson looking motherfuckers would show up with acoustic guitars and you know try to talk scam on chicks and stuff and get money and it was it was just like a cool town, man, and that's when I st that's when I went into Vancouver. That was before I was like really touring or anything like that, you know. And uh, but yeah, Vancouver, Victoria, I visited that whole area. It was, was kind of nice up there. Yeah, you can like you can bounce around to like all the ferries. Like my wife and I, uh, I'm sorry, bounce around to all the islands. Like my wife and I went for her birthday's New Year's Eve. It's such a fucking conundrum to try to plan or do anything. But the one year, uh, me and some of her friends uh, went. To like some teeny tiny island and we fucking got there and like this is what i was saying about there's no guarantee you're coming back on the same one we got there there was power outage we're on this fucking island that has absolutely nothing like you got to get all your supplies in or out and that's when i was just like fuck this i am never going out into nature ever again i will fucking camp my ass straight to a fucking motel six if i have to and that's even slumming it for me because over the years i've become a fucking straight snob with that I'm not staying in some rap ball hotel and i'm definitely not fucking sleeping in a tent 
So that's fucking, that is done and over. And my wife is in full agreement with me on that one. And I was like, thank fucking God, man. So anytime someone's like, we're going to rent a cabin. It's like, yeah, you fucking go right ahead. Like, tell me all about it when you fucking come back. But yeah, like, not to cut you off, but like Bellingham and like, going back to what you said, I just want to touch on one thing. I never saw Tad ever. And I, that's like a regret that I have because when I was a kid, like seventh, eighth grade, like the Jack Pepsi single came out. Right. I listened to that thing probably more times than I ever have in my fucking life. And I was at the sub pop office when I was working for Don Gibson and I walked in there and they're like, Hey, do you want anything? And I was like, yes, I want a tad Jack Pepsi fucking like CD single. And Almost everybody in the room just stared at me and they were like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I was like, you should all be fucking fired because you have no idea what you're even, you don't, you don't even know what you have right now. And there was one dude there that was like laughing at me and he's like, you are never getting that thing. And he's like, I haven't even seen that in 20 years. And I was like, yeah, well, I fucking want it because I have no idea what happened to mine. And I listened to that fucking thing on repeat over and over and over and over again. But yeah. Tad's the shit, man. I was just bummed I never got to see them. Yeah, I saw them a couple times, man. And like I was saying, just back to that small town, it was like all these crazy shows would come through and I would see all these bands like right before the big explosion. You know, for example, I saw Screaming Trees at this place called the 3B. And, um, you know, you could probably fit like maybe 100 people there, if that. Maybe, well, I'm assuming maybe not that was even. right before. I'm assuming that was right before, like, the big record popped off with that that big single that they had there for a minute. It, yeah, it, well, I, I can tell you what record was out, and it was um, that uh, Uncle Anesthesia record was out. So they did have a major label record out, but I think the one after that one is what blew them up when they were playing, like, you know, fucking thousand capacity places, you know? Yeah, what a weird band, man, because, like, there's some people that like still freak out about that band. And then there's other people that are like, this band fucking sucks. No, nah, like, they're they, great. I love them, man. I thought they were great. Yeah. It's like, there's like some serious like riffs going on on those records, like underrated, like undercover riffs. I think it was like a little bit of like a weird place, weird time. Like uh, if, if there would have been a dude screaming over that stuff when I was a kid, I would have probably been like, this is fucking awesome. But like, I couldn't get into it as a kid because I was like, ah, he's like singing. I'm not too into that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just wanted pissed. I wanted angry. I wanted alienating. And like, that wasn't alienating enough. Well, the, the thing is, I missed out on the SST era of the band too because they right. have all these like psychedelic kind of garage records that came out, which was definitely not my jam. But for me, it was like that perfect, like that year period where I got out of college and I'm like, all right, you know, I'm going to try to be like, like a part of society here for a little bit. You know? and, and like, <laughs> yeah, how'd that work out? For you? <laughs> obviously that didn't work out too well, you know? And I'm like, but then they send me to some, they, they isolate me from everyone. They put me in some weird setting like this. And of course I gravitate back towards the things I'm familiar with, but like, I'm like, what do I do? Like, I'm going to hang out with people I work with. No, I'm going to go and go where the, I'm a fucking 22 year old dude, you know? And, uh, but I was into that whole, like, early 90s, like, record store, you know, chicks with sweaters, like, that kind of thing for, like, a year. And then she had changed drastically, right, when I, because I quit my job, and that started my whole other exploration into, you know, the path of 
the left hand path or whatever you know <laughs> yeah now here you are fucking five <laughs> decades later like, <laughs> but you know what though man like you always like uh even when i first met you like I always like I you know just from like speaking with you like I knew what you went to school for and I knew what you did and shit. So I was always like a little bit envious of you in that world cuz I was like fuck man. I was like I should have done what Mike did. Like I should have gone to school and I should have like still been a punk like on the side but still going to school. And cuz like I was always like fuck man. I was like Mike's got the best of both worlds now but he put the time in. I just didn't want to put the time in. Like I just like I got bit with like that like tour a travel bug like really early and I was like this is the only thing I want to do I want to be someplace different every day and then I'd come home from tour and I would talk with you about stuff and you'd be like yo I gotta go I'm at work and I was like fuck man I was like Mike's at work like I'm like counting pennies you know what I mean I was like so they like that was like always something that like I found commendable with what you did in your like uh your path in life for that stuff well it's funny because time, I, would, I would quit like I would quit these like pretty high paying jobs like every like six months or a year or whatever i'd be like it would always the cycle would be like all right we're gonna do like a two-week tour i can go away for two weeks no problem right then like a record would come out and be like all right we got to go away for like you know two back-to-back -back, like u.s european tours i'd be like all right guys here's my two-week notice and like well wait where are you going i'm like don't worry about it i'm i'm leaving <laughs> And then I Did you, so disappear. none of your professional people ever really knew about like uh, your personal stuff, like well, what you were doing with that? The funny thing about that is over the years, I, I, I actually went back to work for this company that I worked for on and off for like a long time. And they and it turns out that they're like, yeah, you know, how's music? And I'm like, oh, you know, it's cool. And but it's super, super flexible. Like even before all this pandemic stuff, I was like working on my own, like at home. I would as long as I gave people notice about like you know, okay, I'm going to be gone between this time. They're like, all right, no problem. You know, it's a huge enough company where they can, you know, you can get someone else to do shit for you. And, uh, but yeah, like some, yeah, like the, the people that matter know my deal, but you know, I'm always, I've always been like this lurker, you know, at the office. I don't really talk to many people. Like, <laughs> lurker at the office. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you know, no, I don't really interact with too many people. Like, I'm not like going to the after after work like hangouts, you know, or or any of that kind of shit. Really, I never really did that stuff. So no one really knew what my deal was. They're just like, oh, that guy comes in, so, like comes in like super early. He's always here when everyone shows up. He's wearing black. He's got some weird like sweatshirt on, and that's about <laughs> everything. He knows, you know, everything. That's all anyone knows about me, really. Yeah, that's totally fair, man. Like I. It like what you said too about like hanging out with people after work like i just very since i moved up here got my first quote unquote like real job i never really had a job man like yeah, i worked I know construction that. Yeah. yeah it's like i worked construction when i was a kid for my friend's dad that was what i did like when i first like even in my very first band like i was still like if i fucking work for this guy from may until the end of July, I know that my teeny tiny rap ball hardcore band can go try to do a tour in August, and then I'll be back in school for 11th grade or 12th grade or whatever it was. And that's what I did over the summers. And then I just did music for a while. And like I got, I was getting away with it where I was like, man, I'm fucking king of the world. Like I'm in my own like fucking cosmos and everything's falling into place for me. Meanwhile, it's like, a kid at the mall making minimum wage was making way more money than me. But like, I was just playing a guitar and a bass, like fucking rolling around. Cause I learned how to play a power chord, like pulling the fucking wool over everybody's eye, you know? And then I, after that, 
I worked at Very, which was like a real job, but like not really at all. <laughs> and then I moved here and I was like, shit, dude, I was like, I gotta get like a, a proper job. And like now I have like a fucking fancy pants, like government fucking job working for the city. So I don't relate to that shit either about like going out with people like dudes at work and like girls at work will be like, hey, like you want to do this? And I'm like, absolutely fucking not. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I can't relate to you. I don't know how to talk to you about this stuff. Anything I can say to you is going to be a straight up lie. And like, I don't watch hockey, so I don't have yeah. anything in common with you, man. And like, no, I didn't watch this show last night and no, I didn't do that. So it's a, like a, it's a bizarro one and it really forces you how to, um, you gotta like almost be like a really good fucking liar with some of these people. And that's also like, it's not even worth it. And anybody that's into like punk or hardcore or, skateboarding or any sort of alternative like lifestyle you can't explain that stuff to people and it's just like like my dad is fucking super into like fucking old cars that's like my dad trying to talk to me about old cars i'm like just shut up i don't have any idea what you're talking about and i don't fucking know it and that's the way that i feel other people are too so i'm like it's not even fucking worth it for me to talk to you about this stuff so sometimes dudes will be like yeah i was at the bar last night i'm like yeah yeah yeah, 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 me too. Like, you know what I mean? But it's like not fucking at all, man. Like I was doing other shit, but I can't even break it down to you. So that's like, I think that's a universal thing for people like us probably. Yeah. The funny thing is I remember like, you know, in, in not, not so much these days, but a while back, you know, when, when I was working in Manhattan, there, there would be these like events, you know, and everyone's like, Hey, it's Friday, you know, like, you know, we're going to go to this place and, you know, we're going to cut loose, man. We're going to like, you know, it's going to get, we're going to get crazy. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I've like hung out with, I hate God, dude. I'm like, <laughs> that. what can you possibly do? That is like as crazy, as crazy as that. That's getting, that's getting crazy. Not going to this fucking place in midtown Manhattan, you know? Yeah. And like, and then also like, meanwhile, in your head, you're probably like Friday night, like, I got to meet fucking Joel and Scott. We're going to lock ourselves in this fucking shithole building in fucking Ridgewood that we, nobody can get in or out of the front door properly. And we're going to fucking just, you know, we're not going to talk. We're just going to fucking grind for a fucking hour and a half. And then we're still not going to talk and we're just going to come back the next night. So yeah. like, how do you explain that to somebody? Like, what are you doing tonight, man? Well, actually, I'm going to go to the fucking practice space. I'm going to fucking put my head down. I'm not going to look up. And when in an hour and a half, I'm going to be fucking done. And then I'm going to go home and I'm going to probably drink coffee at midnight like how do you explain that like how the fuck do you explain that to somebody they're gonna be like uh fucking all right man straight up fucking taxi cab driver in this fucking in real life in this office that dude with the black sweatshirt's a fucking kook so <laughs> but <laughs> yeah i don't know man it's funny like uh having like a real job too was like it was a long time coming for me i just managed to like figure out a way to like quote unquote like stay like a punk kid for like way longer than I fucking should have. You know what I mean? And I said it earlier and I meant it like, I'm not a fucking proficient guitar player. I fucking eked out like a living, like legitimately banging around on power chords. And I equate that to Paige Hamilton. Cause I read an interview when I was like a little kid in a local fanzine. And it was like right before meantime came out, I guess. And uh, he legitimately said something that stuck to me. And like, I've always wanted that where he was just like, hey, I know jazz, I know guitar theory, like, I know how to do all this stuff. He was like, but there's an entire world within drop D. And I was like, oh, shit, man. I was like, that makes sense. And then I started listening to Helmet, and I was like, I just want to be, like, 30 seconds of, like, the born annoying guitar solo. That's all I want out of my life, and that's the only thing I tried to do on my guitar until I, like, learned how to play a little bit more. 
then of course like every fucking dumbass i thought that like i was gonna be like some guitar ripper and like i was like i'm too good to just fucking bang around and do that and then it just kind of ruined every band i played in so (laughs) that's how that's how that fucking went i I wouldn't say that man i mean you know it's uh like the lit golden sky stuff is i think more about like songwriting really you know and and then obviously the gods and queens stuff i think is like songwriting stuff it's not drop d well maybe it isn't drop d technically but it's not just like you know ignorant slamming you know no yeah you're right it was like i guess like with the the lgs stuff like like i i think like myself and hodges at the time and even like the precursor like with jay and like the other guys that were in and out of that band and herbert himself like there was so much happening like music wise and we were all still young and we were like still super excited and we wanted to be on tour all the time. But like the main gig with that band was like right out of the gate was just like, we wanted to be like Soylent Green, I Hate God and Buzz Omen. Like that was like what we wanted to do. It didn't really translate that way. And that was like intentional because we were like, but we don't want to be like a rip off of those bands. Like, I don't want to get up there and just like bang out like fucking sister fucker part three. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, we wanted, it was like all about like the attitude. And like for us, the attitude at that time was like way more heavy on the buzz oven trip about just trying to be completely fucking alienating to people. And then over time, as like people cycled in and out of the band and like I got like a little bit more like proficient with like playing my guitar, then like the infamous like influences start to seep in. And then it's like, wait, I learned how to do this on guitar. Like maybe I can try to do that. And then all of a sudden, like the initial like, oomph of the band is gone and then it starts to like change but like that whole band like doing that was like a um i don't know how i can i even put it like it was cool and it sucked at the same time because like all i wanted to do was be on tour that was it i just wanted to like play and that band was like all that we tried to do and then uh when that band broke up then like me you greg and uh brad tried to do the versoma band and I was like, okay, I want to try to be a little bit more diplomatic in this. And I want to try to, like, actually play my guitar a little bit more. And then that one, too, like, I, I wasn't, like, personally happy with that one because I felt like at that point, like, I was like, I'm going to be a little bit more open. And I'm going to try to be more subjective to other people's ideas. And, like, I don't play well in that department. Yeah, and, totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like, uh, like, you can interject yourself on that one because I think that, like, with that band, it was, like, a little bit of the same thing where it was, like, everybody was coming off fresh of like their own bands breaking up and it was just like all right let's try to do this together like we're all friendly but like nobody wanted to be the one to like stomp their foot down and be like this is how it's gonna fucking be and like it did happen but like in a a, a, like real passive aggressive way which i also like i don't know man like i'm a confrontational fucking type of guy like i like it's not that i thrive on conflict but i would rather have that really intense five to ten minute conversation where it's a straight up fucking blowout but everybody knows exactly where everybody fucking stands and then you move from there otherwise it like harbors resentment and i don't think that like there was resentment but i think that if that band kept going there would have either been the blow up or there would have been like a a decisive like quote-unquote leader would have come out of that fucking thing but yeah i mean you're right and then like uh we'll go we'll cycle back to that in a second but like the gods and queens stuff like man i just want to be bob mold like that's straight up. Like, yeah, well, I, I mean, like, I, that's that's like you know, kind of taking a point from what you just said. That's really you doing your own thing, which was like really what you probably should have been doing in the beginning, anyway. You know, 
Right. Yeah. And it was just like it like the two when like when the Versoma thing like fell apart, it was like I'm pretty positive if I remember right, you and uh, uh I'm spacing out the the dude that we tried out last to play drums like yeah. immediately went on to start doing tombs. Pretty and much, then yeah. yeah, and then I just kinda like um I think Robin played drums on a tour. You introduced me to Robin and like at the time I like got along with him like pretty well and was like, Oh, I'm gonna try, probably just try to keep playing with Robin. Like he's in like some of the same shit, like yeah. Mount Shasta and like fucking lowercase and like all these other bands. And that just was like a normal thing and like it went on, but like I with the Gods and Queens stuff, like I liked that band for the most part, but like other people didn't. Like it was a catastrophic failure. <laughs> so it's like maybe it was like wrong place wrong time or like maybe people thought my vocals sucked or like maybe they thought the band just sucked and that's totally okay too but i had a fine time with that actually but, um, robin was the only guy who actually played drums on the tour he oh was shit like, really liter literally he was our drummer for the live performances that we did because we only did like probably like 20 shows in all you know yeah and, and in my head like i have it like screwed up i think because like I know that we did shit with like Red Sparrows and I know that we did shit with Isis, but sometimes I think it was the same thing. And I'm like, I don't think we did a tour no. with Red Sparrows and Isis. We did, but... we did a tour with Red Sparrows and Daughters, okay? Oh, and, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And that one was with me, you, uh, Tom, and Robin, okay? Okay. And then we did these fill in dates because Isis was on the tour with Tool. With Tool, yeah, okay, okay. And they had days off, so we would have like a Thursday night in like Providence and like a Monday night in Baltimore or something like that. You know what I mean? Right, right, okay. That's Ro like Robin did those too. Clarity. And like, I think Shit, we only I played, that. I think we only played two shows with Greg and, uh, and Brad. Live. I don't remember playing any shows with Craig and Brad. <laughs> well, they, they were on the record. And this, this is the funny thing. And, and the reason, there, there's been requests for me to get you on this podcast, actually, which is <laughs> great. Because everyone's like, oh, fucking, you know, you and Jamie was fucking, you, know, you fucking hate each other. I'm like, no, I, you know, not at all, dude. It's like, I, you know, they're like, man, that, that Versoma record is great. I'm like, no, it's not. It's like a fucking mixtape and like, Dude, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's a bunch of half-baked ideas yeah. that, like, but, like, going, like, now that we're on this subject here with this, like, I don't know if you remember, but, like, it's also, like, this is, like, like memory lane right now, and, like, it's probably yeah. only, like, interesting to guys like me and you and, like, maybe, like, one or two other people, but, like, from my standpoint, what I remember about that, and I, I remember being at work at Very, and, like, you guys wanted to post, like, a rehearsal tape thing. And I was like, I fucking hate this. I was like, I don't, like, why are we posting, like, a rehearsal tape? Uh, but everybody was excited because they wanted to be like, this is our new thing. And it wanted to come out. And I remember that I was just like, I don't agree with this. Like, I don't think that we should do that. We should wait for, like, a full thing. And then, of course, like, it gets posted. And then uh, Andy Lowe, right away from Robotic Empire, was like, we have a new record. Like, within, like, fucking minutes. You know yeah, what I mean? And yeah. I was like... And I felt like that just put like unwarranted and unneeded pressure because I, I, like, I guess like other people like don't realize because it was just you and I, but like you and I were like trying to like pop this off, like before Greg and Brad were ever even in yeah. the picture because yeah. like we had Jared Shavelson yep. who, um, Jared was in the hope conspiracy. And like now Jared, Jared, I think is in the Bronx. He's also in the mariachi L Bronx. Like he's a go-to like LA studio, like session dude. Like I think he's got like his own signature drumsticks and shit. Yeah. And like, we had Jared and then we had Miles from Books Lie as oh, well. Right. Like we were yep. playing, yeah, we were playing with those dudes for like, yeah, we were playing with those dudes for a little while. And like, 
you know, Miles is, is like was starting to tattoo at that time, I think, or maybe he already was. So like he's super successful in that. And Jared's like a fucking Jared got what he wanted. Like he always was like, I just want to play my drums. And like Jared is just a fucking drummer now. Like he scope him out. Like he's like pretty like successful in that depot. But uh, we had those guys and then like Greg and Brad. And like I like I said, like everybody was excited to like get it going. But I also remember like going to practice at that weird space in Philly. And uh, I remember we had like we were like down tuned for some stuff. And like I just remember Brad being like, well, I'm just going to stay in E. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like the, the whole purpose of like down tuning is to get that little extra oomph. And it's going to be like help cheat on the vocals a little bit because like I'm not trying to just fucking scream my lungs out anymore. So it was like a cultivation of like, like I said, like I, I me personally felt like it was like half baked ideas. And, like, there was no purpose in that was going to be, like, the iron fist. Even though, like, I think that all of us kind of wanted to do that, I think that nobody wanted to do it at the same time. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, that band, like, it was, like, kind of cool, like, kind of not cool. But, like, it's not a record that, like, I ever listened to again. No. And, like, sometimes, like, people will bring it up to me and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. You know what I mean? And then it's like, I'll put it on. I'll be like, yeah, I'll continue to forget about it. It's like, <laughs> so. it's almost like I, I imagine, like, the Egg Hunt record, that seven inch that E. Makai like, <laughs> years ago. Like, that's how I see it. It's like, oh, something we did. It's cool. We did a few shows. You know, it's like definitely was the right time to, to call it quits on that. And, like, the one thing I have to put on the record, though, is I did. After after multiple people asked me about doing something about Brasoma, uh, I went back and I listened to the uh, record as an entirety. And I have to say, I, I should have only played guitar in that band. You know, yeah. My vocals were fucking totally out of place. Uh, my lyric writing ability was not to the level it is now. And it's like uh, not not the, the most developed performances or writing on my end it, so it, but it wasn't developed on anybody's end like to me that band was like like i said earlier it was like a bunch of dudes that stopped playing in their respective bands trying to do something else and i felt like it was rushed and totally. i felt like it was yeah. i felt like it was rushed because like everybody was like we were all dumbasses like we were legitimately like all like we were all still younger we were all like a little bit like still stuck in like peter pan mode where it was like we all just want to be on tour anodyne tore themselves into the ground like on the sky definitely tore itself into the fucking ground brad had fucking 10 million bands that he played in like orchid wolves bucket full of teeth like all this other shit and greg was like like running himself into the ground with hot cross towards the end and then also doing level plane and I think that, like, everybody just wanted to keep the fucking the ball rolling, you know, like Rolling Stone gathers, gathers no moss, right? So, like, everyone wanted to keep moving forward. But I think that that would have maybe benefited from either pulling it back and not doing it and, like, jamming out a little bit more and being like, hey, hey, hey this lineup doesn't really fucking cut the mustard. Or, like, hey, this is starting to fucking work. Let's actually put some real fucking thought into this a little bit. But that's just my opinion. Everyone else could, like, Com like differ completely for all i know maybe greg and brad were like those two dudes fucking suck fuck them <laughs> like sure you know what i'm saying about it yeah well you know what i mean right like it's yeah. just like it, this is just like an a and b conversation and like it's not fair for me to like talk for those guys or talk really about those guys but like they could have a completely different outlook than like what you and i had on it because in my head I remember also like sitting at that that practice space in Philly trying to play to a looped click track 
and like it wasn't happening and greg would be like the loop is off and i was like no dude like you're living in the rhythm free zone like you know what i mean i was just like yeah. the fucking the, the the click is the click brother like it ain't fucking switching up man like that's your fucking heavy lead foot that ain't fucking coming back fast enough but like you know greg might have something totally different to say and brad might have been like those guys are fucking stupid you know like i didn't want to do any of this but and that's fair and it's, it's valid because that's like that's their point and like that's their like uh that's their perception of how it was but like for you and i talking right now like i think that we could probably agree that that just was like you know like i said it a bunch like half-baked ideas but uh yeah i don't know some people have asked me time to time too like they're just like oh are you and mike cool and i'm like yeah you know what i mean i'm like what the fuck are you talking about and it's even like people that like you and i are friends with that's you know what i mean to me yeah yeah, because it's also just like, what are you talking about, man? I was like, that band pretty much just fizzled out, and it was just like, ah, I don't really want to do this. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to do my own thing. I was like, okay, cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, there was no big blowout. There was no, uh, you know, like in some cases, bands break up, and not everyone wants to wants it to end. You know, it's like right. there's like the guy who's like, well, I was planning on doing this for the rest of my life or whatever, you know, and like that wasn't the case. We were just like, all right, you know, it kind of went ran its course it was like this experiment i guess and we just kind of like did what we're gonna do and now move on you know it's yeah yeah yeah. vibe yeah and it like it's just like it just didn't happen you know what annoyed me though was like how many people would be like oh what are you gonna do start another band and it's just gonna break up and i'm like fuck you idiot like we fucking ran through so many people to try to get this together. We got a lineup that fucking fell apart. It's not like you and I fucking quit. You know what I mean? It was like other people dropped out and then we scrounged together another lineup to keep it going. And that fell apart too. And it's like, it's not like, like you and I like woke up in the morning or I woke up and I was like, can't wait to kick somebody out of the band today. You know what I mean? Like let's get Andy Lowe and robotic empire to waste fucking five grand, like paying for a recording and pressing this record so we can just break up and fuck them over. That's not like the fucking the focal point. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and and the reality, too, it's like, oh, yeah, just make another band. It's like, well, we made a record and we went on tour. What do you you know? What did you do? You like. Yeah, exactly. Stayed home and didn't do anything or, you know, thought about making a, you know, do making a record or playing a guitar and not taking your guitar out of your case because you were doing video games or whatever. You know what, man? Like, you're, like, nailing something right now, and, like, maybe, like, other guys and girls that are in bands could relate to this, too, but I would be gone so much in my early 20s, and I would come back around, and I would be back in Philly or back at, like, my parents' house or something, and people would be like, oh, look who's back, blah, 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 blah. Like, oh, how you're fucking trying to do this, you're trying to do that. And I was like, actually, I am trying to fucking do it. Like, what are you doing? You're sitting at the same fucking bar, drinking the same fucking shitty, like, fucking PBR beer with your fucking shot of Heaven Hill for three bucks on a fucking Thursday night. So piss right off. Like, so, yeah, I am fucking trying to do something. Like, and what you're just saying is right. It's like, what are you doing, man? Like, are you going to your practice space? Are you, like, doing anything? Are you just sitting here talking about what you're going to get accomplished? And that, I think, sometimes was a detriment to my life. Because, like, all I wanted to do, Mike, was, like, I just wanted to be gone. And, like, maybe you can relate to that. And, like, by hook or by crook, like, I was going to be gone. And if that meant that, like, hey, I can't do that tour, out. Someone else is going to do it. You know what I mean? Or, like, oh, I don't think we should do this. Well, too bad. I think that we are doing that. Like, I was, like, running a ship, like, at least with LGS as, like, an iron-fisted dictator, which, like, you know, made me a very unpopular person with a lot of people. But the way that I saw it was... I just want to be fucking gone, man. And like, I was an idiot. 
I was a fucking 20 year old kid who didn't know fucking shit about shit, but I knew that I just wanted to like play my guitar and I wanted to be gone. And I wasn't really too worried about like friendships or how like my, uh, like my own ego affected other people. You know what I mean? So like, I just wanted to fucking, if I wanted to leave, we were fucking leaving. I don't care who you were. I didn't care what you did in the band. Like if I had my mind made up, like we were fucking out and that was the fucking end of it. And like, when I didn't try to be like that, I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah dude, totally, man. <laughs> so it was like, you know, and like, I think that that was like a thing, like Versoma wise, where like I was actively trying to not be like that as a person. And I fucking don't play well with others. And like, I, I, it wasn't like fucking, it wasn't the vibe. Like it wasn't the trip that I was looking for. And then even like gods and Queens wise, like, I feel like it was like subconsciously almost a three piece on purpose because I was like one less fucking person to argue with me. You know, that was like the way that I was like looking at that one. But (laughs) I don't know, maybe like you can totally relate to that one. Like maybe you can't, or maybe there's people that are going to check this out and listen to it. And they're like, yeah, man, I can, but I'll fucking say like a heed to warning. Like the minute that like you drop that, like fucking personal ego on that stuff, your whole fucking life like changes a little bit because it's like, man, none of us are in Metallica. We're all in like we play in shitty punk bands. I don't care if it's a metal band or it's an indie rock band. We all play in fucking shitty punk bands. The day that your last fucking show happens, you still got to get a fucking job. It's not like this is anybody's like fucking pension plan, you know, so I wish I would have taken things a lot less seriously. And I wish that I would have been a lot less abrasive with things and towards people. But at the same time, like that's just who I fucking was at that time. And I can't like fucking sit here and like pine about it. It's like, yeah, man, I was a motherfucker to a lot of people and I was fucking obnoxious and that's it. And that's who I was at that fucking point. And I can't apologize for it, but like I'm cognitive enough at least know that like, man, I fucking stomped on a lot of people's feet, but I got what I wanted. So I'm not sure how I feel about that either. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, no, totally, man. Uh, You know, it's funny just touching on a couple things that you mentioned, like, when Anodyne broke up, my, I had this. I remember we all met at McCarran Park. Like it was like some fucking showdown, and, <laughs> and it wasn't even like there was no animosity. Like we all were kind of moving in different directions anyway. And I remember we all got together, and Joel and I were living together at the time, so that was real easy. You know? Sure, sure, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, and um, yeah, we just were like, all right, cool. Like, who wants to continue doing the band? And we're just like, no one wanted to do it anymore. I go, should we cancel the European tour we had? We decided, yes, to do that because how miserable would that be to go over there and know that that's it? You know, even though, you know, we were kind of like, like um, the, the tour was booked already. And uh, that dude, Robert from uh, from Zahn, he was we were supposed to go out with them. Sure. Robert's the fucking man. Yeah. And, and he booked it. And I was like, oh, man, we got to, you know, like, but hey, I, after four weeks of that, knowing that not everyone's into it, I think that was the right move is to break that, you know not do that tour you know sure absolutely and i had this feeling the minute i left all those guys i had this feeling of panic that i had to fucking stay home and it was like yep now now what am i gonna do man i gotta be part of the fucking society you know and (laughs) figure out i got you were the dude you were the dude at the water cooler at work now you were just another like swinging dick at work yeah and and you know whatever relationships i was running away from or or personal you know, shortcomings. Uh, dude, you're, I had. Fuck, you're, you're nailing so much stuff. And like, 
it's like this is like a, a bad therapy session but can continue because i'll go back to like something that you just said yeah you know and and uh and that's what that's what versoma was oh, okay oh, jamie likes to tour it's like exactly finally we got I, I i don't have to think about all these things that have been piling up that have been basically wrecking my life you know and continued to wreck my life for like another decade after that and uh, <laughs> but you know that that's kind of like looking back you know it, it's like the other the other thing too is the the desire to be away all the time also puts you in a position where maybe your decision making on the things you do while you're away like taking tours you probably shouldn't have taken yep is that's a detrimental thing you know and now at the very least i still have problems being home but like you know at least now like i try to have a better decision making process about what we end up doing and what we don't what we'll pass on you know what i mean yeah and it's like it's probably painful for you as well to like physically have to be like we got to pass on this tour because it's like to me if like if there i, I was never going to cancel a tour because like a like i wanted to be away you know what i mean and like b i was just like if we cancel we're losing momentum but like w the reality is we should have probably did in all of the bands i played in we should have probably did half the amount of touring that like we ever did and that goes for even the bands that like i filled in for as like a hired gun so it was like like everyone should have done half like you're no one's going to forget about your band but I think like when you're young and like you're excited and you want to get out there and you want to do it and you start seeing things, especially like when you start leaving the country and like you start going to Europe, Australia, et cetera, like you start seeing other shit. And for me, I was like, I wanted to see more. I wanted to go to more places. I wanted to keep like putting X's in my passport next to places I went to. But at what cost, man? Like I was fucking up everything. Like I was fucking up my whole life. You know what I mean? I was like living in a one bedroom apartment in like the fucking cut of Philadelphia because that was what I could afford. And then I was also, and it was all, that's what I could afford because like I only wanted to play music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, meanwhile, it's like, I'm looking at my friends and like, I had like a bunch of friends at the time who were like, uh, in the Boilermakers Union, like my one friend's driving like a brand new Hummer. Like, don't get me wrong, I don't want a fucking Hummer, but just for the context, like the dude's driving a fucking Hummer. He's like fucking ten years younger than me, and he's like living by himself in this fucking massive ass apartment, and he's like buying and selling houses. And meanwhile, like he's like, oh man, I wish I could be going to the places that you're going to. And in the back of my head, I'm like, I wish I had the fucking bank account that you have. And I do want some of the stuff that you have. I don't need a Hummer. I'd be happy with a fucking Corolla. But, like, you know where I'm getting, like, getting to with this stuff. And it was the same shit, man. And it was like, I just wanted to be gone all the time because I wasn't good in fucking relationships. That took a long fucking time. I wasn't good with friendships. That took a long time as well. And, like, I just wasn't good at being a fucking grown-up yet. And I wasn't good at being a grown-up because I was fucking too busy trying to be gone all the goddamn time. So, like, in, like, in a weird way, like, skateboarding and punk, like, fucked my whole life up. And then at the other, like, flip of the same hand, it's, like, it's also the best thing that ever happened. But I just kind of think that, like, it was the right time and place for me to, like, kind of bow out gracefully. Whether or not it was because I got married and had a kid, it was just, like... It was just the right time, man. Like, I had to, like, start figuring it out. Because, like, I would be on these bigger tours, too. And I would look at people, and I'd be like, well, you're in your 50s. 
you're an absolute fucking freak show. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I was totally like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also like, it's not like we're working for fucking Q prime. Like we're not on tour with you two, the chili peppers or like Metallica or someone like we're in like a fucking 300 capacity smoke filled shithole on a fucking Wednesday night in Des Moines, Iowa. And there's only a hundred people here. Like, let's let fucking reality set in on this. Like not every night's going to be New York or Los Angeles. So it was like a weird thing for me. And also too, like when you said that you had like anxiety about like stopping, like when Versoma stopped, I just did drugs, man, for fucking years, (laughs) (laughs) like straight up. Like (laughs) I'm not even going to fucking lie about it, man. Like I was just fucking doing drugs. Like it was fucking going out of style. And furthermore, I had a fucking fantastic time. It was the fucking best. Like, I'm not even going to fucking front. And then at one point, it just stopped being the best. And it was like an after-school special where, like, I was like, man, what the fuck am I doing? I was like, I kind of had a good enough time here. But, like, I'm, like, at home on a weekend. It's fucking 6 o'clock in the morning. Like, I'm still awake, and I'm probably not going to go to bed until 6 o'clock tomorrow. And then I'm going to stay asleep all of Sunday so I can, like, drag my ass into work on fucking Monday morning at 10 a.m. to just to do the whole thing all over over again so at one point like i kind of just like i think i had a sprint flip phone still or like maybe a razor fucking phone but like i just changed my phone number threw my old sim card out deleted everyone's number and like i was just like a ghost for like a while and like that was just kind of like for my own mental well-being because i was like man i'm not this fucking dude i was like i but i fully was you know what i mean but i was like that's not me but uh i just kind of dropped out myself for a little while there and then i hit up ben And I hit up Robin and started playing music again. And, like, then I was like, okay, man, like, this is cool. And then I went back to, like, being an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) But I felt like I needed that. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, all right, man. I was like, I can't be a regular dude. That's not in the fucking cards for me yet. I was like, but I do know how to do this. And you brought his name up. But uh, I was still working at Very. We recorded, like, a couple songs. Andy Lowe, again, from Robotic, was like, hey, I want to put this out. And I was like, cool. And he was like, but I only have U.S. distribution. And I just happened to get an email from Robert from Adagio at Very about getting records off of him. And I just wrote him back. I was like, hey, Robert, like, blah, blah, blah. I have this new band. I kind of hope it sounds like Lungfish in June of 44. Would you want to check it out? He's like, yeah, send it over. And I get an email back, and he's like, yeah, I would love to put this out. So I was like, man, that was fucking easy. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's like that, man. Yeah, and then, like, right away, back in the fucking saddle. You know what I'm saying? And then it was like... Uh, Gods and Queens played very minimal shows over here. Like we did some stuff with Coliseum. We did some stuff with Young Widows who Evan and Ryan, I got to say like um, nothing but the utmost respect for both of those dudes. Uh, especially like, you know, I'm, I'm pushing like my mid forties now. So it was like, I've known those guys for over 20 years and like still talk to both of them periodically, but like they both helped us out. And we did some other stuff. I think we played a couple shows with Tombs maybe as well. I think when Planks was over. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But like Robert hooked up the first European tour and we went over there and it wasn't good. You know, it wasn't bad either. But like I was just like, oh, we can come back again. I I hate when bands, American bands do this shit where they go to Europe once and then they break up or they go to Europe fully well knowing that they're not coming back. And then you also have these people that go over to Europe for the, like, once or twice, and they're like, I fucking hate it here, man. The food's fucking terrible. This, that. It's like, oh, suck it the fuck up, man. So you think that, like, all of fucking Australasia and, like, all the European continents and Scandinavia, those people don't know how to eat food? 
You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> shut the fuck up, go to the grocery store, buy a fucking apple and eat it. You know, there's, if you don't, if, if you eat meat, there's fucking McDonald's, you fucking slob, go eat that. Like, you, I don't understand this whole concept of like people that complain about shit like that. Europe's fucking cool. Going on tour in Europe is fucking cool. Granted, some nights when you got to sleep in a fucking dump, I get fucking piss ass about it. But like I said, I'm a fucking snob and I'm an adult. So towards the end, I'd be like, I'm getting a fucking hotel. I'm not staying here. Like, I don't fucking need punk points right now. But I'm going on a tangent. But anyway, like, Gods and Queens toured Europe a lot. And that was because of Robert. And you brought Robert's name up, which made me flip the script on that. And through Robert is how I met Ralph from Planks. And you and Ralph, I believe, were already friends. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and Ralph and those dudes on our second European tour, I was like, I'm going to just fucking book this thing myself. Or maybe not. Maybe I'm confused. Maybe we had a Euro agent at that point. But either way, like, we went over there, and Ralph's the shit, man. So are all the other dudes in his band. They gave us all their gear. You know, we fucking drove the Mannheim. Actually, we didn't even drive the Mannheim. They brought it to us. So, like, and that's, like, the weird world of, like, punk and hardcore that I think is cool. Like, I don't talk to Ralph all the time, like, on text or email or anything, but I know if I hit Ralph up, like, I'd have a fun conversation with him, you know? And, like, I talk to Robert pretty much, like, fucking monthly still at this point. And I don't have shit to do with shit about music anymore. But it's, like, you're just friends with people. But um, I don't even know where I'm going with this. You can you can take over the, the conversation here. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Ralph is, is involved in this podcast, too, man. Like, we have a... Oh, okay. Yeah, we, get, we have, like, uh, two episodes a month basically that we do together and um you know he's part he's like definitely interested in us talking about this stuff too you know and and i met ralph like in i don't know like 2003 or four or something like that and it was on tour and it was in the anodyne and and like he was like the one dude i was like man this guy is fucking so badass and i'd met a lot of crappy people over there on that particular tour because it was uh you know, D beat crust was like huge and we were not one of those bands. And, uh, you know, night after night, I would listen to some German guy tell me how the U S sucks. And like, <laughs> meanwhile, he's got every single patch on his punk rock gear is like all U S bands. You know, he's got like, you know, like a fucking his heroes gone patch and like an as, you know, from ashes rise was big at the time. And sure. You know, that whole thing. Meanwhile, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, the U.S. sucks and, like, you guys don't have any good bands. And I'm like, uh, you, <laughs> have you checked out your, your gear here? Like, what you're wearing? It's all U.S. bands, you know? Yeah. You know, I, drop I mean, Dead and all this stuff, you know? You know the gig, though. That Like, that's the fucking standard, like, flag bearers uniform for shit. And it's like, that's it was the same thing going on in New York for a while. It's like, hey, man, like, good shoelace is a headband. You know, fucking <laughs> epic style dude and then like those dudes would fucking vibe me out because it's like i would fucking like roll up and like just fucking looking like me and it's like just fucking shut up man like don't even buy and why do you know bands like the shit lickers maybe it's because i'm a fucking punk kid and i fucking have been so like piss off and that you know though man like that's like one of those things where i started to feel my age Because, like, I would tour with younger bands, too. When I stopped doing music and just started working for bands, I would tour with some of these younger bands. And, like, there was, like, one that was, like, a, like, you know, avant-garde, like, noise-ish type thing. And we were talking one day, and, like, I brought up Grey Wolves. And they were like, how do you know about that? And I was like, oh, fucking shut up. You know what I mean? It's just, like, give me a break. But then I also realized, though, too, Mike, and, like, maybe you had this, like, or maybe not, because, like, we're different people with how we, like, look at stuff. But when I was a kid, there was a skateboard in a record shop, like, 
legitimately like a few blocks from my ha- like house in the little crappy town that I grew up in, like fucking 10,000 people max or something. And there was this place called Music Madness and they sold skateboards and records. So I would go there and like, I was like getting into like punk and hardcore. So I would like buy this shit and there'd be these older dudes that would be like laughing at me for like buying like Youth of Today records and stuff. And they'd be like, those bands suck. Like you're buying that, but you don't even know about this. And in my head, I was like, fuck you. You know, I was like, I'm buying what I fucking want to buy. And so I tried not to be like that with people. But when like younger kids try to vibe you out like that, it's like, yo, man, like I know this shit is new to you. So like calm down a little bit. But at the same time, I also have to realize that, like I said earlier, like I'm in my mid 40s, man. So like when you're young, you should be fucking righteous and you should be a little bit fucking arrogant and you should be like a little bit like, fuck you, you old asshole. So like I agree with all that shit and I like it, but sometimes I'm still just like, fuck off, you little nerd. Like you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like leave me alone. Like don't make me fucking tell you about the White House show that I was at, you know, (laughs) but like then it just becomes like old guy talk, you know, so it's like. Sometimes I like to get into it just to prove a point, and then other times I'm like, oh, wow, really? Tell me all about the RRR catalog, you know? Like, let's hear it, so. <laughs> yeah, that's, that. That's I, I always try to stay aware of that, too, because I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm like, substantially older than a lot of you, you motherfuckers mm-hmm. out there, and I'm like, let's, uh, you know, let you do your thing, and I, I sometimes it cuts deep, and I'm like, all right, look, this is the way the deal, this is the deal, you know, and (laughs) lay it down. But like, mostly I'm just let people do their thing. And I'm like, all right, cool, man, whatever. You know, I, I'll go back home and listen to like UFO and stuff like that. You know? Yeah, exactly. man. (laughs) Like I'm going to listen to fucking some old Scorpions records and I'm going to be fucking happy. So like, (laughs) just like leave me alone in my like little world. And like, it's fine. But yeah, I, I, I don't know, man, like that stuff too. Like the longer that I stuck around, like in music too, like, um, And I stuck around, like, so long, I think, because, like, I started to make, like, proper adult money, like, towards the end when I started to, like, tour with bands and, like, do other, like, work for other bands. But, like, I fucking hated it, man. Like, there was only, like, there was only, like, one or two bands that, like, I truly, genuinely enjoyed, like, being on tour with. And the rest was just, like, a fucking shit job. It's like, yo, man, like, I'm not your paid friend. And I'm not your fucking servant. Like, my whole fucking gig here is to get you guys from fucking point A to point B to make sure that all your fucking money is straight and to make sure that everybody fucking stays alive and doesn't fucking overdose on the fucking bus. So, like, and even that was too much. Like, I'm not your fucking babysitter. Like, I shouldn't have to argue with you that you should fucking not do this tonight and that you should just go to bed. And then there was people that would. And it was like, you know, some tours would end. And, like, these people would still be, like, fucking hitting me up for shit. It's like, motherfucker, I'm not booking you a vacation. Like, I'm not your fucking servant, man. And then it's also like, you know, why why don't I have any beer in my hotel room? I don't fucking know, man. I'm halfway home. I'm going to the fucking airport. Maybe walk your ass to the fucking liquor store down the street or fucking call room service and ask if they have it, you fucking dumb asshole. So, like, I don't know, man. There's, like, a whole bunch of that stuff, too, that, like, went on in my life of music and like that like started to like make me like really like bitter and like there was a couple bands towards the end where it was like you're a fucking clown like i know that you think you're this fucking badass and everybody respects you but like everyone's just fucking laughing you know from like top to bottom and like if you can't even fucking see that about yourself i don't know what to say and like i sometimes like cringe because like i was that dude you know what i mean like maybe like maybe in your life like you had like a reflective period and like you were like fuck man i was that dude too because like i think if i would have been nicer to people or maybe just like bent a little bit or not shot my mouth off right away 
I would have had like a better time with things, you know what I mean? Or maybe I would have got more opportunities to like do stuff for other bands and shit, but that wasn't the case. And I wasn't ready for that in my life yet at that point. Yeah, dude, honestly, the last couple of years, maybe all this time off the road and, and just being locked up here by myself for like, you know, two years, basically. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that, man, for sure. I like look back and I'm like, yeah, maybe I should have handled things differently and, you know, but you can't, I don't regret, but I also want to kind of learn from those experiences, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. Like there's like a ton of stuff that I've done in my life. That I was like, oh, God, like, why did I fucking do that? You know what I mean? Or like, why did I act that way in this situation? And it's like, it's easy for people to point fingers now and like it's and it's also easy for me to criticize myself now but like i would like to think that i'm objective enough to be like man i was such a fucking idiot you know what i mean or like i wouldn't have liked me then either you know what i'm saying so it's like but that's like i guess like the like the age and wisdom thing that like people talk about and it's like if i was still just like nah man i'm fucking good and i was still living how i lived then like that's fucking pretty painful on my end you know yeah so one of the things I thought was cool is that you actively retired from playing in a band. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't want to do it anymore, man. Like, uh, but go ahead, continue. No, I just thought that was cool because I was like, wow, that's you fucking make a decision and you stick with it, man. I think that's great, you know, because like well, so yeah. many people waffle on stuff all the time, you know. It was twofold. Like, um, like I touched on it a couple times since we've been talking, but like I just didn't want to be at home. Like I wanted to be gone. Like I was running away from like life in general. And then when Gods and Queens got in this fucking really bad car accident over there, like I had like this like I, I was just sitting in the ambulance going from like this fucking field that they found us in to like this fucking hospital. I didn't even know what country we were in at the moment. So it's like I'm just sitting in this fucking ambulance by myself. And um, or I, I'm sorry, there was a woman, Sarah, with us as well. I forgot she was there, too. So like her and I were sitting there, total silence. And I'm just like, why am I even fucking here? You know what I mean? I was like, why did, why did this happen to me? And I was like, this happened to me because I don't want to fucking be an adult. This happened to me because like going places and like just being away from my life is more important to me than actually getting my life together. And I think that that was like a little bit of a seed planted in my head where I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know what I mean? I was like, it's not really working. It's not like I'm making like a fucking fortune off of doing this. Like it's a lot of work with like very little reward. And like right now it's a lot of work for a big fucking catastrophe, you know? So I was like, started to like plant that. And like, we came back and like, we tried to play like a couple more shows off of that, which I got to say, man, your ba if your band gets in a car accident, fantastic publicity. That's the fucking right. best right. best publicity that you're gonna fucking get, man. Like you can't you can't hire a fucking PR person to get you fucking publicity like that. But uh, just that we came back, we played a bunch of shows, and like it was just like, man, I'm just not I'm not happy. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm not happy. I'm not stoked. I don't fucking like being here. Like our friend Luca from Slovenia came over and lived with Ben and I in Philadelphia for like three months, and uh. He was like, no, you, you need to keep going, man. You're always punk. And I was like, no. I was like, I'm not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was just, like, over it. I was tired of, like, buying gear. I was tired of changing guitar strings. I was tired of, like, fucking going to Guitar Center and getting fucking patch cables. Like, I was just tired of the whole fucking thing, man. Like, I was just burnt out, and I was just fucking totally over it. And then uh, I just didn't want to do it, and we stopped. And, like, as soon as I stopped right out of the gate 
uh, my friend Timmy Hefner, who was booking Chaos and Taos, was like, hey, can you help me with this? And I was like, sure. So I went down there and I helped Timmy one year with Chaos and Taos. And then I became better friends with my friend Logan. And then Logan was like, hey, man, like I tour managers band Ice Age. Like you should come along and do merch. And I was like, OK, cool. I'll do that. And in my head, I was like still running away, but I was at least getting paid a little bit of money to do it. And then Logan couldn't do an Ice Age tour. And I just started taking over Ice Age. And then my other friend, Greg, was like, hey, you want to do a merch on this Nazum tour? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I go out with Greg and Nazum. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a second. I was doing merch on that tour. And it was like a deal where I would get paid X versus X amount of percentage of what the band was. And then I was like, I'm making more money on this tour than fucking everybody in this van. So then all of a sudden, like, that just kind of became my thing. And then I was just touring with bands. And like I said, like... I started to do like some bigger things towards the end and the bigger it got, the less happier I was. And I was like, I just don't want to fucking do this. And then coupled up with like, you know, being married and like having my daughter and stuff. I was like, I, I, like my daughter thought I worked on an airplane for a little bit. <laughs> Cause like she was always, ta- yeah. Cause like she was so young that like she was, we were always going back and forth to the airport. So like she thought I worked on a plane and I was like, all right, That's man, funny. this is fucking yeah, it it was yeah. funny, but it was also like a little eye opening, you know yeah. what I mean? Where I was like, "All right, man, enough's enough." So daddy's but like daddy's that, a cowboy, you know, or something. Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, pretty know? much. <laughs> but um, yeah, and like that one was like the same thing. I was like, "All right, man, like I'm here, I'm a PR in Canada, you know, like I gotta get my shit together a little bit more." And I was also like, "I just want more." Like I didn't like relying on uh, other people for like paying for my life. You know what I mean? Like I was just like. Oh, I have to be on tour because that's my job and I need these fucking shitheads in this band that I don't really fucking like to take me on tour so I can get paid. And like, I was never like that really. And I didn't like that. That's what I let myself like kind of like fall into. So I made an active point to like change that. And I did. And like, it's has its ebb and flow. Sometimes I'm at work. I'm like, and I'm, you know, I'm like legitimately up to my neck in like mud and in water. And I'm like, why the fuck am I just not dealing with some fucking dumb asshole in Italy right now arguing with them about a bottle of tequila on the fucking rider versus fucking like being drenched and soaking wet and freezing cold. So <laughs> as it's like the pros and cons. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't think I could do the the crew thing, man. I tried it on a, on one tour and um, yeah, it just wasn't for me, man. It's like the, the, the whole point of like traveling is cool, you know? Yeah. But the point of living like that for me at least was being able to um to play you know and, and do, yeah do yeah yeah thing, you know but yeah that's 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 a hard life man now w- one of the things i really wanted to talk to you about too is um i've never really known you to be a very athletic person you know and uh, oh shit here we go <laughs> so, so how the fuck did you get into muay thai man i mean you own a gym or you're a partner in a gym up there now and um yeah over the years, you and I have had many discussions and conversations about training. So when did that all start for you? Um, when I decided to stop doing drugs, like straight up. Like I, uh, my friend Charlie Catone owns a gym in Philadelphia called Eight Limbs Academy. And um, prior to that, there was this gym. I would walk up and down the street and I was like, it was a Muay Thai gym. And I'd always see people like hitting and kicking. I was like, I should fucking do that. You know, it was like uh, one day, one day, one day, one day. And then I knew Charlie fought. So I, he started working with me and I was like, Hey man, I was like, I think I want to try this. And he's like, just go. 
and yeah, like that's yeah. uh, that that's a, a phrase that I use myself to everyone and anyone. And the second anybody asks me about it, I'm just like, just go, like, just stop talking about it and just fucking go. Like, don't tell me that you're gonna get in shape so you can go. You go to get in shape. But uh, I started going, man, and like I liked it. I sucked. You know what I mean? I sucked for a long fucking time, but like I liked it. And then uh, I was still traveling and touring all the time. So I would start to take my gear with me and I would just start dropping in at gyms. Anytime that I had a day off or anytime that like I was someplace early enough, I would look it up and I'd go to gyms. Like some gyms were fucking cool. Some gyms fucking sucked. Some gyms, even though I was just doing a drop in, people were like super welcoming and accommodating. In other gyms, people just wanted my 25 bucks to do the drop-in for the day, and, like, I was just left alone onto my own fucking devices. But uh, it, like, fucking took over. And, like, I don't know, maybe that's, like, a thing where, like, that took over for me to replace being doing music or something, but uh, I just fucking ran with it, man. And then I was living in Nevada at the time, and I was at a gym called Nevada Muay Thai. And in hindsight, I have two, like, two, like, thought methods about this but like one i feel like sometimes i didn't learn a single solitary thing at that gym except for getting hurt and then two i think i learned a lot at that gym because that gym was kind of just like three minutes of fucking survival at a time man like that was going to that place and it was pretty much like here's three techniques bang them out okay let's have open sparring and you were sparring with everybody in the gym and there's like a bunch of regional pros there like high level regional amateurs and a couple pros so I had a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of skill at that point, and I was, like, fucking chum in the water for the fucking sharks, man. But it made me figure shit out, and it made me figure shit out really quick. Is that the best way to learn something? I don't really know. <laughs> you know, I don't teach people if I'm leading a class up here. I don't really have people, like, kicking and punching each other in the head, like, full force. But I will definitely say that having people gun a fucking stiff one-two at me maybe learn how to get the fuck out of the way of it. So there's like a whole bunch of different methods of thinking. But yeah, so I don't know, man, I've been doing that for a long fucking time already. And then it just so happened to pop up that the gym that we were at up here, a couple of us closed. It was a cultivation of just like the pandemic and just, I think, uh, the owner being just tired of having the gym. And it started with, let's just get some mats and let, let's rent a garage and we're just going to train in a garage. And then it turned into, man, all these other people want to train too. Well, let's get a couple extra bags, and then we'll just get a little bit bigger garage. And then it just turned into full-fledged, like, opening the gym. So we've been open for almost exactly a month right now. And, like, so far, it's so fucking good, man. But um, I have nothing but positive stuff to say about Muay Thai. And I have nothing but positive stuff to say about, like, starting it. So, like, I'm the wrong guy to ask the question to because I'll try to bully you into, like, going. You don't even have to go to my gym. Just go to a gym. You know, that's kind of my fucking stance on the whole thing but uh yeah so like that's kind of been like the trip man like i'll go to a seminar anywhere at the drop of a hat if i fucking see one going on i'll to try to do a drop in anywhere i go like if i go someplace the first thing i do is i look up like muay thai gyms just to see if there's anything like happening and like that's kind of the gig man and like that has become like my second job that i don't get paid for so it's kind of like being in a band <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> That's awesome, man. Because did you ever like do any any martial arts or or any kind of athletic shit prior? To I that wrestled time? from like fucking elementary school all the way up to high school, and okay. then like 
once I started like piercing my ears and being fucking being a punk, <laughs> like I was like, man, I'm over this shit. I was like, yeah, I'm not fucking doing pushups for anybody. More importantly, I was like, I'm not fucking cutting weight for anybody anymore. Like I hated it, man. Like I was a little kid, like sleeping in garbage bags to suck water weight. You know what I mean? Like that's fucking stupid. How like, much weight, how much weight did you cut when you were like you were wrestling? I was probably in like eighth grade and like I think that I was probably like trying to wrestle at like a hundred and five or like a hundred and like uh, or hundred and fifteen, I think maybe. So like I was like cutting like a substantial amount of weight. And for like a little kid like in beginning stages of adolescence, man, like and puberty and shit, like that's not good. You know, and like, dude, and what, was, you, what, and what was... do you get out of it? You know what I mean? What do you What do you truly get out of it? Like a fucking a shitty plastic trophy. I got a you theory. Know? I got a theory about guys who wrestled that, especially at the lower weight classes, about how they like never grow. Yeah, because like, there's a couple of dudes that I went to high school with, and then like one guy, like I met in my job, and I'm like, this fucking guy's like, he's like barely five feet tall man you know and i was <laughs> after a while i started talking to him man and i was like yeah, like oh you know like oh you watch the fights like yeah yeah you know i used to wrestle in high school and i'm like oh how long bingo he's like yeah. i started when i was in like elementary school and i went all the way through uh, high school and you know i was like all county and all this stuff and i was like well, what weight class for you and he's like he's like 105 or something like one of those really small ones i'm like yeah this guy like I I really I mean I have, this is completely there's nothing quantitative to back this up but I think that it stunts your growth at a young age if you're I do too weight, you don't get enough nutrition or something like that yeah I I kind of do too it's like you're forcing yourself to be like malnutrition and like you're fucking your body up like over and over and over again and as a, like a in like I was just like a fucking stupid little kid so like I would have like fucking five pounds to drop. And, you know, my, I remember my dad would take me to the YMCA and I fucking I have on gar I'd cut holes in garbage bags for pants. I'd cut holes in them for my fucking head and my arms. And then I'd fucking duct tape it around myself. I'd get in the fucking steam room with like sweatpants, winter coats and like sweatshirts on. And I would start skipping rope with a bunch of fucking naked old guys be like, that's right, kid. You got to drop the fucking weight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and most like, people don't. Back then, no one really knew the healthy way to do that, you know? Yeah, I mean, that was the only way that, like, especially, I, di I didn't have any fucking body fat on me. Then I was a little kid. All I had was water weight. And, like, that couldn't have been fucking good. And then I'd go there, and I'd be, like, barely able to stand on the fucking scale. And then what was the first thing that I would do? I would run to the concession stand. As soon as that scale hit 105 pounds, I'd sprint out and I'd start shoveling fucking candy in my mouth. Like that's not the fucking best way to like go about it, you know, but uh, it, I, I don't know. I think it like, it sucks for like little kids. And like, we have like a handful of people that are ready to start fighting at our gym already. Some of them came transferred over from the old gym. So it's not like they're like our brand new fighters, but like, they're all like, how much weight should I cut? And in my head, I'm like, none. Like you're fucking, you're 18. Don't even, don't fucking bother. Like uh, this isn't an MMA gym. Like, you're not fucking getting, like, some kind of, like, regional contract off this shit where you're going to get paid, like, two or three grand to have, like, a fight. Like, you're having amateur fights. Don't fuck yourself up, man. Like, just fucking do it. It's kind of, like, my same thought process on, like, a, like hard sparring and shit. I used to think, like, hard sparring was, like, what's up? I was like, man, you got it. And I still kind of think you got to taste a raw shin on your leg or get cr fucking cracked in the face, like, once or twice to respect what the fuck is actually going on. But do I think you should do that all the time? Hell no, man. But, like, I, I look at – there's a handful of, like, really young kids at our gym 
and they just want to fucking smash. And I'm like, you fucking nimrods. Sometimes I'll be like, hey, knock it off. And other times I'll just be like, go ahead, you know, break each other's noses, fucking see what happens. You're not going to like it. But when you're young like that, you got to test the waters a little bit. So we think as a gym, though, too, we're like trying to find our own like footing right now at the moment. And uh, doing the gym, man, it's just like being in a band to me. And I have a real hard time, like I said earlier in this, like, I have a hard time playing well with others and I'm having a hard time right now playing well with others. So like, uh, there's like some growing pains with that one too, but like, it's fucking fun and it's fine. And on top of it, it's fucking in some Muay Thai gym. So if it's like, yo man, fuck off. I don't like how you're doing this. It's like, well, I know I can actually kick you a little bit later and like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> that's the, that's the way that operates for me at the moment. Yeah. I, I like, I like sparring more times at a, at a lighter intensity you know what i mean like i think oh 100 yeah, like it's cool it's totally like like it's you shouldn't hard spar every week you know or every i'm sorry you should maybe do it once a week or actually you shouldn't really go hard unless you're getting ready to go and fight somebody sure yeah i mean if you i think that going technical a couple times a week is probably the best angle to take as far as like getting your timing down and all that shit for sure like you should be able to spar every single solitary day and not get hurt you know what i mean and like not go home and have your head feel like a hot television inside of it like you should be able to like you like the whole point is to like play around and to like learn and just what you said like you figure out your timing you figure out like how to work your body like right now like i had two back-to-back -back knee surgeries this year so like i'm only doing the beginners class and like the beginners classes I've just truly been trying to be like, learn how to use your body. Like if you're throwing left, return right. If you're throwing right, return left. Like this is as basic as it can be. And like some people are like, no, I just want to spar. And I'm like, <sighs> like the dickhead in me is like, go ahead, put your shit on, get in the ring. And then like the fucking like business owner in me that doesn't want to get sued is like, you're not fucking coming close. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, then there's those other people that like, some people just need to learn the hard way. Like I was a, I need to learn the hard way type of guy. You definitely seem like you were like a hard way type of guy. Yeah. And then yeah, there's for sure. Uh, the, thing well, is yeah. with, the thing is with me though, it's like, I, before I did Muay Thai, I did um, like Taekwondo and like, mm -hmm. back, I got kind of like the knucklehead stuff out during that. I was doing like tournaments all the time and like, you know, you, you believe certain things and then you get put in your place by somebody who's got more experience. Yep. So then, but then like once, you know, when I started doing Muay Thai, I was like, all right, well, you know, this is like, I know, I know how to kick people and, you know, and I got all this, this other shit I'm carrying over from before, you know, but, uh, but then I got, I got schooled over at Coban's <laughs> when I was there too, you know, cause I had no hand, no hands at all, you know? Yeah, sure. And just like, you're a grown ass adult man. And there's fucking Coban who's got 10 or 15 years on top of you, who legitimately probably is just holding his hands up, not even touching you and your ass is hitting the fucking floor yeah. over and over and over again. And it's demoralizing. And he's probably like fucking laughing at you. And he's, as like, he's, doing and, it. And he's like 130 pounds too. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah. But, like, yo, man, like, I was always envious that you were at that gym, which is what made me want to go there. So I was like, fuck, man. I was like, he's, like, learning from, like, a straight G. Like, one of my, like, I've watched Coban Deckers so many fucking times, like, all of them, you know, over and over and over and over again. So it's like, I know all of those fights fucking inside and out. But, like, I love that style. Just, like, fucking, those, those dudes were both, like, ignorant, fucking head down biting the mouthpiece and neither of them wanted to take a step backwards and it was i loved it i thought it was fucking awesome man like it was fantastic 
Actually, the guys I train with now used to train there too. It's um, I'm, I live out in New Jersey now, and um, since I've been out here, I've been tra- I trained at two different, well, actually four different places. There was this place called Driven, which uh, uh, Spida is uh, and James were the two guys that used to train with Coban, and there was like a bunch of other dudes that I kind of recognized actually when I first showed up there. And then um, Spider split off, and he just opened up his own gym, which was where I'm at right now. And there's a couple guys there that were at Coban's. Uh, but what's, what's interesting, though, is the style that we're, he's teaching is more on that outside style than like the, you know, the uh, the bullhead style. You know. Sure. I mean, if you want to if you want to press people, you gotta be prepared to fucking. You know, that's almost like you're going to take two to give one. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) at least in my opinion, like not everyone's able to just steamroll people and go forward and like use the long gun to like get in and start clinching people up and and get into a firefight. Like I try to like our gym doesn't have like a definitive style yet, which I'm like two ways on. Like sometimes I'm like, I don't know, man, like maybe everyone needs to be a little bit more uniform in how they teach and like how they like show stuff. And then other times I'm just like, no, like this should be like, everybody should be doing everything and like anything. And they should be getting a good all encompassing like style from everybody. Because like, I like Dutch drills, man. I like to do it that way. Like some of the other guys at the gym fucking hate that I do it that way. And they just want to do like pad classes and they want to just fucking do a million teeps or like some of the other guys just want to do like more like, you know, like high intensity, like interval training with the people and then have them do bag work. But we have so many beginners at our gym because it's brand new too, where it's like I run into this problem of do I try to show them the stuff that I like or do I try to show them the stuff that is going to help them like actually be able to hit somebody if it comes down to it. And then at the same time, I'm like, I can talk obviously like this, like we're doing right now. I can talk for hours about something, but it's like I'll try to talk to people. I'll be like, look, if you're throwing your fucking right hand. You can slip with that, and then if you do that correctly, you can smash the liver, and then you reload it, and then you slip their cross, and then you come to the head. I say this stuff to people, and they don't get it. So then I'll be like, all right, man, Like I tried to do some theory with everybody. They're not really getting it. Nobody's sweating. And then I'll be like, all right, get over to the bag and start doing bag work. And then those same people that aren't getting it will then like cry and complain that like I'm doing too much bag work with them, and they can't keep up. It's like, you got to pick one. And like maybe that's my fault as like a, a teacher at the moment because like I'm no fucking coach, man. Like, I'm just, like, some dude that knows some shit that had a little bit of money that got with two other, like, fucking dum-dums and, like, decided to try to open up a gym, which is the worst fucking business investment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, right. Like, we're never making our money back. Like, we probably spent, like, I mean, we spent, like, a, a small fortune to open up, like, a really small fucking gym. And it's like, dude, we're we're not breaking even on it. You know what I mean? Like, we'll break even on the rent every month, but, like, we're never paying ourselves back for it. Like, this is, like, straight up, like, a labor of love and, like, if people get something out of it, cool. But yeah, styles and shit are weird though, man. Like, like I said, like I'm still conflicted. I like, uh, like high volume, like type of dudes. Like I like Damien Trainer. I like how Ramon Decker's like through stuff. I like, uh, the, uh, Simon Chai gym, like heavy hands with like ripping leg kicks. But like, I'll sometimes I'll show like a lot of volume and people don't get it. They're like, why are we throwing the, we're never going to land this in a fight. And I'm like, yeah, you're not. Like, you're never going to land a fucking 12-hit combo in a fight. But if you start stringing it together all the time and you build that habit of, like, oh, I know that I can flow from this to this to this to this to this, if it gets interrupted or if you see somebody make the mistake, you're like, oh, I remember this piece. I can do that. But if you're only ever training for, like, a one, two, three leg kick and you want to smash the leg, 
like it's probably not going to really be there because that's all you're going to be looking for the whole time. Like you got to like know other things and somebody else that's like more experienced than me could come right behind me and say that this fucking guy's a dumbass. He doesn't know what he's saying, which might be fucking true. No, but but I, like, I think that there's validity to that. I mean, if you train, if you're training like these long combos, like maybe you, maybe in a fight you land the, the third or fourth strike you know correct I mean? like correct not, that's you the have like the, the the mental the sort of muscle memory to counter and and throw something behind something else you know one that's it that's the entire point man at least to me that's the entire point and i watch so much like fight content and like i'm not one of those people that's like thinks that like like i'm not one of those people that thinks like youtube is like the devil like i'm all about it man like i fucking watch this shit all the time it's like i get i have like free seminars in my back pocket because i go on youtube and i watch so many people like you know what i mean it's like you watch it you slow it down you break it down and sometimes i'm like i don't know if i like that you know what i mean i I wouldn't ever do do that myself or show that to somebody like myself and then at the same time i see stuff and i'm like holy shit man i was like i never learned that you know like you can fucking add that onto that and it turns into this like, oh man, that's fucking sneaky. And then that's the stuff that I'll take and I'll, I'll usually try it with my friend Justin because Justin's pretty open as well. And like him and I will like drill before my knee injuries, like him and I would like go to the gym just by ourselves for hours and like try goofy stuff. And like some of it like worked and some of it didn't, but uh, I don't know, man, like I'm all about it, but it's also like I made like a conscious effort to not show anybody anything that I can't do myself. Because I think that that's disingenuous, you know, because like I didn't have some wild fight career. Like I didn't have like fucking 40 or 50 fights like in Thailand and then come over and wreck shop in North America. Like I'm just some fucking dum dum that fucking never stopped training that just kept going and going and going and going and going and had a bunch of low level fucking smokers. Like I, that's, I'm wide open about that because the last thing I want to do is be like a disingenuous fucking guy that's like trying to feed people a line of shit. And that goes back to me saying, like, I don't show stuff that I can't do. So I'm not going to show anybody, like, a wheel kick because I can't fucking do it. So why would I tell you, like, hey, do this technique? I don't know if it works. You know what I mean? But, hey, you guys try it out. And I can't do it myself. But I know there's gyms out there that have people like that. I think that stuff kind of fucking sucks. So, but you know what I will show you is I'll show you the fucking straight up Ernesto who's special. I'm going to fucking show you a jab, jab, stepping on your cross liver shot leg kick i'm showing you that a million times because that has worked for me and i feel like if it's worked for me it has the possibility to work for you so that's the vibe that i run in like uh john one of the other owners john's a lefty and uh he's big on fighting off his back foot like uh, i hate it you know i i don't think it's good but it works for him and like if he wants to show people how to fight off of his back foot show him how to fight off the back foot like that goes completely against what I like to do, you know what I mean? Or what I would like to show people. Uh, our friend Justin is like more of a technician. Like Justin can like work all around you. He like uses all facets. And uh, the other owner, Sean, like Sean's like a fucking big dude. And Sean will like, Sean will entice you in, you know what I mean? And then you're getting cracked with an uppercut. Like that's his fucking shit. You know, he likes to be on the inside. So like everybody has like their own like vibe that's like going on. And like, you know, it's, it's good. We have like people that are in and out of the gym. Like we have a, a couple guys that are in the gym that have had like 40, 50 fights already that wow. have spent a lot of, yeah, that have spent like 
a lot of time in Thailand, a lot of time in Cambodia. That they fought like all over Canada and the states. And we have like a bunch of regional guys. One, I don't know when this is coming out, and it's not like anybody's gonna lives in Vancouver that's gonna like buy a ticket to the show. But uh, our friend Jimmy Nguyen, who like our gym kind of sponsors on a very low level, he's uh, like a ripping like regional dude, you know. And he's got like fucking fifteen, twenty fights under his belt for like Muay Thai as well. And then we have a bunch of like a bunch of like low level amateur guys and girls that are just like starting out. So like right now our gym's exciting because there's a fight coming up on the twelfth. So like there's three people that are like friends and affiliates that are like fighting out not out just of our gym, but are using it to like prepare for their fights. And like I wanna to touch on that quick too. Like this was all totally flipped now from like a music nerd thing to like Muay Thai, but like I'm all about everybody training at every gym. Like I don't believe in this shit where it's like you're my student and this is my gym and you're going to learn what I say. Fuck all that, man. Like, you know, I've gone to gyms before where it's like, I've thrown a hook thumb down and the gym instructor, coach, whatever would be like, no, that's wrong. And in my head, I'm like, is it really now? You know, like explain to me, instead of telling me why it's wrong, show me why you think it's wrong. Because I think you can throw your hook thumb up or thumb down. I think that you can pivot on your hook or you don't have to pivot on your hook. Like, it's situational, man. Like, there's other gyms I've gone to, like, where I walked in the door for the very first day and someone threw a a teep at me and I caught it over under and fucking pulled and ripped across. And they're like, no, you know, that's wrong. That's not my style. And I was like, okay, like, but why is it wrong? And you're only going to show me one way. So then I become fucking very predictable if I only do it one way. So uh, I think everybody should train at every gym. I think that everybody should train with a bunch of different people and you should learn like all the encompassing styles. Cause like, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be like a pattern. I want to be a puzzle. You know what I mean? Like I don't want somebody to just go, all right, man, I know when I spar with this dude that he only does A, B, C, D, E, and F. I want the entire alphabet in my like fucking like back pocket to be able to use. But that's like my stance on that. And it's also, I think it's because like over the years, Mike, like, I truly genuinely tried to like drop my ego on a lot of stuff. It's still there, man. Like everybody fucking has one, but like Muay Thai is a fucking very humbling fucking sport. And it's especially very humbling when you first fucking start. And I tried to like keep that like intact here. So it's like, dude, go to other gyms. I'm, I'm not too worried if you leave our gym. Do I want our gym to succeed? Like, yeah, of course. I would love to have everybody as like our students. I want our gym to be like blown out. You know, I want it fucking packed all the time. But like, I'm not going to throw a fit if somebody's like, hey, man, I'm going to go to this other gym. In fact, yesterday I got a text that was like, look, I really like your classes. I really like this. I really like that. But it's too far from my house. And some of my other friends are training at this gym. I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Like, what? you don't even have to tell me. You know what I mean? Like, I appreciate the text, but, like, I don't own you. Like, I, 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 like you're not an orphan from a farm. Then, like, you're fighting for me to, like, provide a fucking, like, future for yourself. Like, go anywhere you want. And I, I think that should be the way it is everywhere. But, like, some people don't agree with that, like, sentiment, I guess. Yeah, I mean, out here, man, there's fucking gyms everywhere. So it's like people yeah. always train different spots. And, I mean, even, even Spider, who runs, who owns his own spot, he – he teaches at other schools too actually yeah dude it like that, that's kind of how it is a little bit here as well but like i'm sure that like you have it I, I mean i know you have it like on the east coast where it's like those schools people will call them like mcdojos and whatnot and it's yeah. like i feel like that's the shit where like people start to get weird where they're just like this is our style of mma or this is our style of jujitsu and if you're gonna fight our style and i'm like get fucking bent man like f- are they paying you money 
they're paying you money to be a member at your fucking gym and there's something to be said for that but like they don't fu- you don't fucking own them man like <laughs> you know what i mean like go anywhere and go everywhere but like that's just how i roll you know and like i i went to gavin's gym uh gavin van black like yeah. a handful mm-hmm. of times when yeah. i when it, at his old location you know um I went there like a bunch, like doing drop-ins. I did a private with Gavin here and there, I think. And I became like tight with him over that. And, and it's like, I think that you should do that stuff. You know what I mean? Like there's gyms here that like maybe our students wind up fighting them. And that's cool, man. But like still like fucking cross-train. Come to the other spots. Go to other places. Learn as much as you can. Like trying to only learn like one thing to me equates the same way as like being like I only listen to one style of music and one style only gets fucking stale you know like don't get me wrong i like eating pizza but like that would be like if i only ate pizza every single solitary day after a while you get like a little bit burned out but i think it's the same thing with like muay thai and just martial arts in general but that's just my stance but to answer your question in this very long-winded form yes i have partnered up and opened up a gym up here (laughs) with my friend with my friend sean and my friend john and uh our friend Justin helps teach, and then uh, our other friend Dan, um, he came back from, like, a two-year Cambodian exile, and he's, like, pretty much going to be in charge of the actual, like, fighter, like, team program. Um, he's just waiting to get his, like, second vax. He didn't want to get it while he was over there because Canada didn't accept it as a vaccination before he came back. So he's still waiting for that one to pop through, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of it, man. So, like... Hopefully it keeps going. Like it's like I said, it's been open for about a month, and everything's like so far so good. So you know, I'm sure at some point someone's gonna get their nose broken, and like shit will go downhill for a moment. But that's the nature of the biz. What's the name of the gym? Uh, it's just East Van Muay Thai. Right? Pure, purely simple. I want to have some fucking dumbass name like fucking Black Snake fucking Martial Arts or like some fucking dumbass shit. It's like representative of where it's at in the city. Is representative of what it is like. Yeah, it's also like, what am I going to do? Like, the three of us put our name on it? You know, like, fucking John, Jamie, and Sean's fucking Muay Thai gym? Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's it. It's uh, super simple if you're in Vancouver. And uh, if you're in Vancouver and you're playing, like, a hardcore band or a metal band and you train, like, roll through. It ain't too far from the rickshaw, and that's probably where you're fucking playing. So you can fucking stroll on down. And if you're playing at the Rick's Joy, you could probably get some government heroin too, actually. Woo! That's a, that is a fucking wild, wild area. Our old gym that we were all at was four blocks from there. So, like, I was in that neighborhood, like, every single solitary day. And at one point before my time in Vancouver, the same gym had a different location that was even closer to the rickshaw with an entrance in the alley, which was, like, I don't know, man. We could turn this conversation into something fucking hectic, but, like, Drug reform, man. I don't fucking know, dude. I don't, I do not know what I yeah, fucking don't, think about don't that. Wear, don't wear flip flops in that alleyway, man. One hundred percent. Don't wear flip flops. Don't lean on a telephone pole. Don't fucking just just don't. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's fucking hectic down there, man. Like it is fucking super hectic. But for the most part, like that area is like a that's its own human anomaly. And for those people, are like, what are these two fucking dum dums talking about? Like. Think of the wire when they decided to legalize drugs in that one little area because that's what it is, but you ain't just buying weed. Like, it's fucking, it's wild. That's all I can say. Is there uh, any social uh, media uh, presence that people can follow for this? Gym? Yeah, the website is EVMT, East Van Muay Thai, but just the first letters of each one, .ca. 
fucking Canada, not .com. And then uh, the Instagram is East Van Muay Thai. And like, you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the gig at the moment, man. It's just like both of those. So yeah, if, like I said, if you're up here and you play in a punk band or a hardcore band, indie rock band, whatever, like by all means, man, roll through. Like I would be stoked to have people just doing drop-ins to check it out. Stay.